Time to set foot inside the morgue with your hosts, Carl and Rob. If he hits Here it, he Batista going for the Batista ball, and he got him! Batista ball! Here comes the champion, Batista kick to the midsection! The kick's in trouble! He hits it, ball game! King Booker up high! Batista Bob! Spear! Caught! Batista! Batista Bob! Oh my god, no! Look at this! Look at the power! Okay, it's episode 17 already. Wow, that's flown. Episode 17 of the Manchester Movie Mark. Tonight we look. Not since episode sixteen. We've we seem to have been quite a while. Since. We're, we're we're just spacing them out. You know, we're taking our time. We're making sure we've got quality. Time. Um, it's what uh, what's unforeseen circumstances is what you have to say. That's what celebrities say. So uh, unforeseen. <laughs> That's it. Due to the, due to the pandemic. Uh, due to the pandemic. Um, so episode seventeen tonight. We're doing Army of the Dead. Uh, Zack Snyder's uh, latest uh, attempt at the uh, zombie zombie market. Um, but before we get um, go and dive into it, we'll, we'll just chat about anything we've uh, watched recently. Have you uh, been watching anything good? Um, y- yeah, uh, I think I have. I've I've watched a few things here and there. I've not really been watching any TV. Um, I've been recording a few films from a channel called Talking Pictures, which is um, it's a station, a TV station in the UK where they basically show old films that won't get shown on um, other channels. Um, I think the best film I've seen lately is, um, it was like an early 1970s thriller. Uh, Most of it's set in Marseille, although it does begin in the USA. And it stars Billy Dee Williams, who of course was uh, Lando Calrissian in Star Wars, and uh, co-stars Richard Pryor. And they form like kind of, um, Billy Dee Williams is a, um, I think he's a DEA or he's a narc uh, or, or something like that. And um, someone he knows is uh, is killed, dies through kind of drugs, uh, a drugs overdose. And so he kind of breaks himself free of the law and kind of arranges like a little kind of um, vigilante group made up of kind of other criminals and old friends and people people who've been affected uh, by by the drug trade. And um, they go and kind of go straight to Marseille and and wipe out all the villains. And uh, I really enjoyed it. It It's absolutely brilliant. I never heard of it before. It's called Hit. It's from 1973, and um, yeah, it's great to see Richard Pryor in a. Although he does have a few kind of comic asides, it's you know it's a straight role for him, which he had, he had a few of them in the 70s. And uh, Billy, Billy Williams is uh, like a really good, really good leading man. I think he had a few roles in films like this um, around around that time, which is obviously how he came to the attention of George Lucas a bit later on. Um, so yeah, Hit 1973. Yeah. Check it out. I don't think it's it's probably on DVD in some parts of the world, but not in the UK at the moment. That's good. That's what good. about yourself? What have you been watching? Um, I've uh, dived back into the world of Liam Neeson again. Um, and it's like, a, it's, it's almost like, a, you know, you're being cheated on and, uh, you know, you say, right, Liam, I'm not going back to you now. And then Liam Neeson brings out another film. <laughs> You go okay, Liam. I'll give you another chance. This is this is his thing now. <laughs> so, this is his whole shtick, isn't it? It's like you, you you look at the film, you think, you know what? I bet it's probably not that bad. I know it's um, is well, it the bad? One is called the ice. <laughs> it's uh, the ice road, um, and it's and it is like those um, 
you know those films, those those TV series, Ice Roll Truck. Oh yes. There's a lot of truck driving of a fragile ice. You know it's going to go wrong. But the the plot is that there's a remote diamond mine that's collapsed in the, the northern regions of Canada, um, and an ice driver leads a rescue mission over a frozen ocean to save the lives of trapped of miners. Um, so yeah, there's lots of betrayal, and you know the usual. I mean, we're going to have that in this film. Actually, we're going to talk about it in a minute, Armida. But there's that character sort of bit. You know, you can't bit trust shifty. them. They just start to save themselves. Yeah, they're just after the diamonds. They're not after the people, etc. And uh, and Lee Mason plays it ultra straight as always. And uh, yeah, if it wasn't in his hands, it would be the biggest pile of tripe ever. But yeah, it, he, he manages. To, yeah, he makes it quite. I think it's the kind of film that Steven Seagal could do. No, and not now. Uh, I think he'd break the ice. I've seen Steven Scott recently. He would break the ice and be cool. I think you've just given him his next film's title there, haven't you? Break the ice. It's three. It's three words. Um, sounds good. Woody Allen film. Break the justice. Uh, and, and another um, thing, a TV series I'm watching, which I really recommend. It's a HBO one. It's called The White Lotus, and it's a, a satire set about this group of disparate people all on this honeymoon resort in Hawaii and it's set over the course of a week and there's only been a few episodes screened already but it's so good each character is so surreal and eccentric and uh, and it's their the seemingly bliss paradise but all their problems and there's so many different archetypes in there and it's uh, yeah it's I really recommend it and I don't want to spoil it for people but I know it's getting rave reviews at the moment and I've uh, I gave it a chance, and I'm three episodes in it. It's, it's amazing, really good. Excellent. Can I offer um, that one? Is that on that? Did you say that's Netflix? It is Netflix. It's a HBO series. Um, yeah, so it's got quite a good cast yep. in it, and uh, it's got Stifler's mum in it, and she plays a complete batty woman who's off her face on drugs. So, so yeah, it's good. not typecasting her. Okay. So yeah. So basically, there's a huge montage at the beginning, and this montage reveals. Uh, there is a, basically a, a militant group who are killing hordes of zombies. So you ask yourself, why is the hordes of zombies? And this is where you get the plot unraveling. So a United States military convoy is traveling from Area 51, and it crashes with a car on the highway outside Vegas. And the cargo is a zombie who escapes and kills and affects the soldiers. This is one of the actually most graphic and probably one of the best bits of the film, actually. Uh, body infect most of the city's population. Uh, an intervention happens with the military where they try to quarantine the city and it fails. They end up having to wall up Las Vegas. Now, six years later, um, the guy you saw in the montage is Batista, <laughs> Dave Batista, Scott, yeah, Man Mountain Scott. He's approached by a shifty Vegas hotel owner. He wants him to go back into the city by getting a, a group together. Uh, and retrieve billions of dollars that are stuck in a hotel safe. Uh, so he goes ahead and he recruits his gang, very much in the style of like Ocean's Eleven type thing. And he recruits his former teammates, Maria Cruz, Vanderhoe, helicopter pilot, Marion Peters, and German safecracker <laughs> Ludwig Dieter, and a sharpshooter called Mikey Guzman. Um, so unfortunately, who also gets involved in this ragtag bunch is um, Batista's estranged daughter. And it comes out later in the film why father and daughter not seeing eye to eye anymore. 
and she's actually working at a quarantine camp and she gets um, she enters the city as well to actually help a friend not because of her father and it all goes a bit uh, it all goes a bit wrong i mean vegas actually is portrayed in this film all the way through and we'll talk about this it's it's cgi heavy but it's done at first it's not too great in that that's you know it looks quite epic doesn't it like the the sprawling city and the, the smoking spires and everything and it's done in very you know it's a very long film this but the pacing at the beginning at least is quite fast it wastes no time in getting this gang together getting them into the city on the mission um you know it's uh, there's no there's not much woman and hour from any of these people they're willing to risk their lives for money so even though like uh, the world has gotten a bit uh, pear-shaped i suppose money's still as valuable as ever and people are prepared to risk their lives to, in any way as you're entering this zombie infested city to just get their hands on it and find another way so um yeah so carl i'm gonna ask you first of all what was your first impact how did you actually because i know carl if you don't know carl's a massive zombie fan so i chose this film thinking oh this is gonna be a sure fire hit for both <laughs> but um you but, can't normally you can't <laughs> normally go there. too wrong with zombie films i don't think um, even yeah. when they're kind of a bit substandard you're like return of living dead part two or something like that they're still you know yeah they're okay um yeah well i mean when, when i I started watching this thinking, you know, it might have something to it. Um, Zack Snyder directing. I'd, I've seen his Dawn of the Dead uh, from 2004. Yeah. Admittedly, that's the only other film of his that I've actually seen, but I, I, he does seem to be a director who releases a film and then some years later, an even longer version is released um, because the first version wasn't right. Um, but I, I, I can't comment on their quality because I haven't seen Justice League or um, Watchmen, I think was the other yeah, one. I've tried to. I know yeah, sometimes, you know, sometimes, yeah, they, they office, chop it down. And it's yeah. a good thing. That yeah. It's kind of a necessary thing. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've read some good reviews for it. But I mean, I've read some good reviews for Army oh. of the Dead, and and I think this this did start pretty well. I thought, like you said, the um, although I've written dodgy CGI first zombie, I think the first encounter with the zombie yeah. and the and, and the, the the military, you know, the zombies are depicted as kind of fast moving. They seem indestructible by bullets, of course. They, we find out later that they're um, they, that they will take a shot to the head, and that will that will kind of do for them. And they're kind of also instantly contagious. Um, there's no kind of messing around like in Dawn of the Dead, where you know you have to wait overnight with someone to slowly turn into a zombie. It's just it's instantaneous. Um, and no, it's, it's uh, I mean that's very much like um, Walking Dead in that sense. Well, actually, Walking Dead does have an overnight yeah. thing. But I'm just saying, I mean it's quite complimentary to the viewer. I think he's almost like straight from the office he's saying right you know the score with these you know how how people get infected they get bit or they get yeah scratched. it's a good setup and, and it's like know, yeah this this is what yeah, these zombies yeah, are all yeah. about and this is what's gonna this is yeah. how you know this this film's kind of gonna gonna pan out and the other thing i thought was so the, the opening is really um promising because um we see in kind of a montage sequence or uh with with the credits kind of being rolled over over the sequence is um mm. You know the um, the zombies are um, taking over Las Vegas, and this is all done in kind of slow motion, very kind of highly stylized, but gory and bloody as well. I think uh, Viva Las mm. Vegas is playing, being played in kind of a slower version over the soundtrack. Um, 
and it's it's a good opening sequence. I mean, the, the, there's no question about it. It really sets the scene. But having seen the entire film now, I'm getting a bit of um, what I call Skyfall. Skyfall. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's Skyfall, but it's got a fantastic, you know, it's a Bond film that has an absolutely fantastic pre-credit yeah. sequence. Yeah. And then, of course, the problem is that the rest of the film follows it. And I think I, I was thinking of Skyfall when, you know, when I kind of assessed this film at the end. So the opening, no problems at all. Absolutely sets everything up nicely. Good opening sequence. Except, except my, you know, my bugbear with it is that it sets up the tonality issues of the film straight away. You know, like, I, I, it, this is a film, like, we see, like, a Liberace impersonator being massacred, and then we see these, like, uh, um, these uh, Showtime girls yes. um, throwing this sleazy guy in a, in a hot tub and then blood squirting everywhere. And, and you think, oh, it's going to be... It's going to be a bit tongue in cheek. It's going to be, you know, and there, and there are elements of that throughout. There are elements of tongue yeah. in cheekness, but um, generally speaking, I think it's it's pretty kind of humorless. I would say. Um, it is, yeah. And also, yeah. the other I thing mean, I noticed in the opening sequence yeah. with the credits, I was reminded of Steven Seagal's On Deadly Ground, and the reason for that is <laughs> I don't. I remember seeing this at the cinema on Deadly Ground. This is and um, Steven Seagal's name because he directed that. And he produced it and, mm. uh, and some other things. His name came up in the credits about seven or eight times. And Zack Snyder here, his name comes up a lot. He's the writer, the editor. He's also the director of photography, uh, writer, producer. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't cast himself, but his, his name does come up. It kind of just gave me a bit of, you know, a feeling of On Deadly Ground. Like, Zack Snyder is to do with this film. And if, you know, if you didn't know before you watched it, you, you know now. He has got a fragile ego, hasn't he? It's like a seems that way. Zack Snyder touches that. It's like Zack Snyder's toilet. Jack, <laughs> Zack Snyder catering <laughs> by Zack Snyder. Um, is I was I was just going to say, can I can I just say as well? You mentioned the Liberace. Yeah. One of the notes that I've got, you know, I, I told you earlier that I watched this about over oh, probably over a month oh. ago now. And the note that I've so I kind of read back my notes just to kind of refamiliarize myself with the film a little bit. And I've got a note here that says, montage begins of big tit zombies chomping down on a Liberace impersonator. Now, if you think that's the beginning of the film, you know, it's yeah. it's little surprise really that there's nowhere to go from that kind of opening gambit. There's nowhere to go but down really, I would say. But let's, let's see if that plays out. I'm not going <laughs> to ruin what we think about it. Um, yeah, so anyway, that's... If that's your kind of thing, you know, zombies with tits and Liberace impersonators, um, you know, this is the film for you. No question about it. Yeah, I mean, this special ops team as well, um, it's just, I mean, there's not much explaining, is there? It's kind of like, it's almost, it's very referential to loads of other films. So, like, it's just like, oh, yeah, he's... He, he must be pre-ex-military. It's, uh, it yeah, it's like ragtag it's, uh, men and women on a mission, yeah. isn't it? It's it's aliens or yeah. it's... Um, ah, what was the other one I had in my mind before? But um, it's, it's very kind of reminiscent of aliens um, in, in, in that regard. But also the, the world city aspect of Las Vegas, the, the shady um, the, the shady kind of crime overlord who sends them in. He says, oh, you've only got 96 hours to do the job. So they're kind of against the clock. Um, and the other, the other weird, the other thing, the other weird thing I, I found was I noticed in the opening credits, 
the name uh, Henry Sanada. Henry Sanada. He's, he's this guy's a Japanese um, kind of martial arts actor from the seventies and eighties and nineties. Um, and I've not seen him anything for years. And I, th- I saw his name in the credits. And I thought, oh, brilliant! They're going to get him doing some, you know, some ass kicking. He'll be in this film. He'll be really good. But they, they, they've kind of cast him as the um, you know the crime overlord, and he really doesn't do anything apart from sit sit down and talk in a kind of menacing way. And I thought, oh, it's a bit of a, it's nice to see him in a film, but at the same time, it's, uh, I thought, although he's probably, you know, an older guy, I thought they could have used him in some kind of, uh, you know, as as a bit more of a threat um, as a character, perhaps. So it's nice to see him in the film, but I thought, why have they cast him? They could have literally cast anyone. um, It's the Snyder pull, isn't it? Because like, I think... um... Batista in a quote said he had a choice between this film and uh, Suicide Squad. Right. And he chose this because this was a chance to work with Zack Snyder presents <laughs> and also a chance for Netflix to pay him a lot of money. Yes. Whereas if he'd been in Suicide Squad, he would have been you know, a small role and uh, just a grunt who shoots a bit. I mean, in this film, he's a grunt who shoots a lot. He does, um, doesn't he? <laughs> he, he? He does headline the film as well. He is this star. He's the star vehicle, which is... Uh, the first time, I mean, I've seen a few, quite a few of his films. I've seen like, you know, the uh, My Bodyguard, which is like a comedy way. He suppose is the star in that film. That's a comedy film he did. And in Guardians, he's just one of the group. Yes. Um, he's, he's certainly not the head. And so this is asking a lot for him, actually. I'm not sure if he does it. He's, he's, a, he's a henchman inspector as well. And I think that's the kind of role yeah. that he, you know, kind of, he's, he's one of the kind of redeeming features of, of Spectre, in my opinion, as well as the pre-tile sequence of, uh, that we've, we've already mentioned of that. Um, you know, he's, he's quite an imposing villain. Um, and I do wonder as a hero, he doesn't, he's kind of, they have to make him sympathetic. And so I, I don't know if he's correctly cast. It's the, um, the it's the emotional scenes of you know the this I mean, we can mention it spoiler alert I suppose for this bit but the the emotional thing uh, between him and his daughters that um, there's a flashback uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> Rob flashback, if if they if they if they're listening to our podcast without having seen the film then then you know put sorry guys you know stop now put, press pause and go and watch Army of the Dead all 148 minutes of it and then come back the, the, the um, yeah the flashback is that. Um, they were a happy family, and um, Scott, Scott's wife, got infected, and he had to do. Uh, he he couldn't put her down, could he? Actually, I'm, he, he, I'm trying to think. Does he? He can't actually. No, he's forced to kill her, isn't he? He's forced to kill her. He, he does end. I think he, he does end up killing her. Yeah, to, um, of course, and he has to do this in front. He he does this in front of his um, daughter, of course, which you know. It's totally understanding, you know, understandable in this world, but um, but obviously there's bad blood there, and and we get the feeling yes. he's a bit of an errant father as well because there's some like a few emotional like, daddy daddy scenes with like uh, where he apologizes for not being there all the time because he, he's probably always on these uh, crap military escapades like uh, um, with his other gang. Uh, yeah, the, the the rounding up of the gangs as well is um, it's quite it doesn't mind being too cliche, does it? It's like whenever he, we we see him recruit one member after the other, and it's 
it ticks the boxes. It's kind of all the characters you'd expect. You've got kind of the sassy helicopter pilot who's always got kind of a, you know, a smart comeback or wisecrack for everyone. You got the you got the slightly the helicopter. Sa- sorry, Rob, say it again. I read. She they'd already filmed, and they had to CGI her, her into some scenes because um, they'd already. How so? What was all that about then? What did they did they just feel they needed a character who was I know. like she's, her? She's, or? Quite, she's not bad in it. Actually. That's an odd thing, isn't she it? She plays like a Cagney and Lacey. You know which one was the moany one in Cagney and Lacey? She's like she's a bit like that, but she sits in the cockpit moaning all the time, but wanting to get in the chopper. Um, yeah, but she's but, uh, she's she's good, isn't she? She kind of you know she stands by. She's loyal. But yeah, she she's got a bit of a an attitude. Film, I mean, um, early minutes, like because I've seen so many films like this where you've already in your head you you've decided who's going to live and survive. Uh, this one plays it out perfectly. Yeah. Um, you know, it's pretty much everyone you would expect uh, does that. You know, they they get the fate yeah. that you that you think. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. They obviously want to play it safe. You know, they've got like a good a audience for zombies. Man, I don't, I'm not going to tell um, who. I will keep that one safe. Yeah. There's a company man, but this has been, again, this is something from Aliens, isn't it? And lots of other films like The Terminator and that is, oh, there's, we're, I'm a company guy. I'm just coming along. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just here, you know, I'm just yeah. here providing assistance. It's, yeah. Um, it's like, you know, it's like the company hmm. from Aliens, isn't it? You know, at some point, uh, there's going to be a bit of uh, shithousery going yeah, on. Be, um, for want of a better term. Room, like <laughs> in the room with, um, with you know the threat and the threat and this the zombies. So it's, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. And then he he explains just minutes seconds before you're about to die. He tells you the reason why you're going to die. So. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't know it's the zombie tiger. Oh, I'm going to talk a little bit yeah, about the zombie tiger a bit later on. Is it Siegfried and Roy's yeah, zombie tiger as well? That was quite a funny little joke in it, actually. So Siegfried and Roy's uh, tiger, yeah. It was, but I've I've got a little analogy about the uh, the zombie tiger, which I'm going to share with you later. It um, not quite um, yet. Can we go um, back to Romero's zombies? The idea is that, and, and, and quite a few mm. zombies, I and mean, if we go even modern ones like Train to Busan and stuff, the zombies are usually representative of something else, aren't they? Whether it's greed, consumerism, uh, you know, uh, capitalism. Yes. Whatever. So, like in, um, in oh, Land Land of the Dead was um, uh, Romero's take on how you know society, so called civilized society, yeah. deals with the homeless because they they were like homeless people, and uh, you know they were kept out of buildings with security and all the rest of it. Um, but yeah, you're right. And there's Dawn of the Dead's all about consumerist society. And them kind of wanting to get back into the into the shopping mall. Um, Night of the Living Dead was all about kind of um, a bit of Vietnam and civil rights and all that kind of stuff. And so yeah, you're right. There's that you know there's and um, that the, there are these these un- underlying themes. So Romero was very very clever in the sense that he always used zombies um, as a metaphor for whatever whatever the thing was that was interesting him at the time. And he wrote and, you know, he wrote these, he wrote the films about, Artistically, about those things. You're right. In those days you can get away with a bit more because you, you can say, Oh, it's, it's representative of something. It's not about the core visceral violence. Whereas this is very much, yeah. they are cannon fodder. They are even in the, 
Yeah. It's all surface. It's all surface. And this is one of my big problems with this film. It's there's nothing going on, uh, you know, above what uh, below what you see. There's there's nothing to kind of take from it intellectually. Um it's just such a hodgepodge of other bits of nabbed ideas from here there and everywhere. Um there are some good ideas in it. Um which they don't which they don't even use properly. Uh, I mean, we'll, maybe we'll talk about that later. Professor, I mentioned this before we started airing tonight, but is the they have this idea of an alpha. So the alphas are slightly more intelligent, they're slightly more sentient than the rest of the zombies. And there's a head alpha. There's, yeah, these yeah, alpha, there's a, there's a alpha queen, zombies. There's a queen yep. one. Sorry. He rules the rest, and she does it in a series of like screams and curses and eye glances and movements. And she's actually impregnated, isn't she? She's actually, the idea is that, I mean, that's not new. I've seen that before, like uh, pregnant zombies, but yeah. I was going to say, so the, the pregnant zombie, well, it's, you're right, it's an interesting idea. I wrote down the films yeah. which I've seen it before. First of all, Zack Snyder himself used it in his Dawn of the Dead, although it's slightly different because I think it's a human yeah. giving birth that's, that's to a zombie. Bad. So it's a little different. But I, I also remember um, oh, uh, Lucio Fulci's um, Zombie Flesh Eaters 2 from the 80s. Um, had a had a I think it had a baby. Yeah. I've not seen that for a long time, but it mm. had like a baby baby zombie in it. <laughs> so I mean, it's it's not it's not a new idea particularly. Although there's a bit, there's possibly a bit of a twist on it with this one. I was trying to see. You know, I'm quite surprised he's done this film, and it's very it must be very hard actually for directors not to do a nod to the virus, you know, the pandemic. Um, but this film does even have a nod to that. It's, I've probably started making it. I mean, this film's been in production since 2007. So obviously it's, yeah. It has been in production yeah. limbo um, since yeah. uh, since then. Since, in fact, Netflix stepped in and kind of just green-lighted the whole thing as they as they are wont to do. Uh, yeah, with, with he always had like the this. idea of a father and daughter thing. Uh, he's obviously just played with that and then introduced this Ocean's Eleven type thing. Um it's, uh, but the, I mean, the the way the daughter is roped into the into the uh, the mission is kind of it's all contrived and to, yeah, totally shoehorned in. It's contrived. It's not kind of realistic in any way. It's like, oh, you come in then, okay, fine, off we go. I mean, it it just that doesn't it, it, another apart for me that just didn't. Yeah, make it I mean, there's, there's, there's um, some amazing um, self sacrifices in this. Very much like in the aliens, with like a uh, really good man, like you know, blow yourself up and take out loads, and and you die, you die right. in excruciating pain because you've been eaten, but you know you're gonna clear a room. Um, it's <laughs> yes, you take some of that with you. If I'd be that self-sacrificing, <laughs> if I if, I, if, if it was me, like would I be prepared to just like you know sacrifice yourself to wipe out a room? You know, you're not gonna be part of that world, are you? But, I mean the 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 main plot of this. Um, we mentioned the, um, the, money. the, yeah. the criminal uh, overlord. Yeah, it's the money. There's there's two hundred million dollars locked in a Las Vegas uh, casino vault, and um, it's been you know the Henry Sonata character explains that it's been uh, it's already been claimed on insurance, so technically it doesn't exist, and it's still there for the taking. So uh, it's it's potentially a very very big big payday um, for the uh, for the uh, the ragtag uh, outfit. I mean, in these films, they make lots of mistakes, don't they? Um, 
It makes some massive yes. errors. Like, like really early on as well. I mean, it's like, why have the people in this film never yeah. seen a zombie film? I mean, I guess that's always a challenge of zombie films uh, because we, the audience, know how to deal with them. And, and the films, the film sets out early how to deal with them and what we what you need to do. You need to give it's a bullet to the head. Why? And this, as you explained earlier, this is six years on from the events that's uh, from the beginning of the film. So why don't people know? Why have they? Uh, what you know? Why have they not been briefed? Uh, I know it's kind of a criminal operation, but surely, you know, they'd want some information on what it's like inside and there, there is a bit of exposition it does explain things like about you know the zombies who are mostly in hibernation but are reactivated yeah, when it rains yeah. um now that's a really really good idea but unless i missed it i don't remember them using the idea at all no, um perhaps in a very very quick shot when it started to rain and you know some but that i mean it's a really good idea but it's like they didn't use it been announced as part of the canon. I've seen the trailer already for the prequel. There's two prequels coming, and there's um, an animation film, and um, so he's got you know there's big plans for this. I suppose once once the Netflix wallet is open, um, Zach Zach is going to keep on dipping back into the wallet. So uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think that, I mean I think this is why they introduce you know a fair. A, a few good ideas and do nothing with them. It's like it's almost like they're saving them, and and I think this is another problem for of the film for me. It's 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 not a film. It's it's been made to generate content, and I think this is a problem with lots of films that have been made for not just Netflix, but you know the Amazon Prime films and things. They're, they're trying to generate content, and that's how the makers see it. I mean, they get they get names like Scorsese involved. Um, Zack Snyder, and that gives them credibility, and then from that they can generate the the content, and that's all they want from it. But you know, the, in, instead of laying out these ideas and playing them out in a movie, I mean, this movie lasts two hours, uh, yeah. two hours twenty eight minutes. Why can why have they not got time to introduce the idea and have it play out in some way? Um, they're just are they saving it, or have they just missed it? Are they just being careless? Um... Isn't that come out in editing? Consumerism now of the whole Netflix model, isn't it? It's like I'm Prime and everything. It's just that people mm. are not just watching, dipping in for an episode. People are consuming whole series in two days. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've I've read lots of reviews for this that say it's brilliant. You know, Zach's, that it's, it's Zack Snyder's best movie. Um, if it is, I mean, I'm, admittedly, I've only seen two of his films. But um, the other one I saw was Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead 2004 is b- yeah. much better than this. It's much, much better than Army of the Dead. And yeah, it I is, think yeah. we might have seen it together. I think, um, I don't know where, um, somewhere in Manchester, but um, yeah, I think we I think we did see it together. And that's much better um, as, as a movie. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, they approach them as content they keep ideas back and they don't throw them in to start with. And like, as a viewer, you're like, well, where, where was that bit? Why, why didn't they, why did they end it that way? And it just doesn't make sense un- unless you're a TV executive thinking, oh yeah, we'll map this out with, you know, a prequel series and an animated show. And then we'll, we'll follow it up with a TV series. We don't know that, you know, we might all only have time to go and watch a film. I mean, I barely had time to go, you know, into a two and two hour, 28 minute movie. Um, anyway, I'm, I, I, I am not a typical consumer. I, you know, I don't really have the time to go and 
delve into this army of the dead world and um i, I don't think i will be because because of how the film is it's like i was watching the yeah. um, space balls a few days ago and it's like um yoga you know the character who's yeah. like supposed to be yoda and he opens up the shop so this is what it's all about merchandising merchandising yeah. merchandising and he's and that's that's all it is but it, it's like you know it's it's packaged to it's it's a window on a on a screen for you to select one night when you've got nothing to watch. Yeah, That's what it is. I'm looking forward to it. It's like the new Ghostbusters. I saw the, um, the new trailer for it today. And uh, um, it's, you know, it's, yes. it's exciting. Released, yeah, released today. It's exciting and everything. But it's like how many like, nods and, you know, uh, references to the, the old, the old um, content uh, rather than the new everything's, you know, everything's yeah. that nostalgia packet because that's, there's a lot of money in nostalgia. And that's, uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, Ghostbusters one and two, why not just leave them alone? They're you know they're they're, they're both kind of classics. They're both well regarded, well, generally speaking. I think although lots of people it's seem to prefer the first thing, one. You know when I'm um, an old but, when I'm an old man, yeah, and there will be a Back to the Future four. Um, once you know once all the or yeah. there'll be a TV show. Yeah. There'll be a TV show around it, won't there? It's, it'll be rebooted or yeah. something will have It'll happened have to it exactly. Unless you've got filmmakers behind it, who are people like Spielberg, who will say to studios, "Don't, you know, you can't do anything with this franchise, and if you do, I'll never make a film for you again." Like he, I think he did that with um, with the Jaws series at one point. They were going to do like a spoofy three mm, D. I think. It I mean, with this, yeah. they're hoping for this to become, you know, the next. That suppose the next Walking Dead, and maybe it's because like, Walking Dead is whether you like it or hate it. That's lasted eleven seasons. That's eleven years, and that's you know that's huge, and that's made you know a lot of money. Um, you know, it's you know it's um, I don't know how it went in its later series, but yeah, what I well, saw yeah. of it, it's good, it's exciting, it's gory. You know, it's it's what you want from kind of uh, you know a, a, a zombie. Positive, I suppose. But I suppose the biggest thing is that when you do an ensemble cast, it's hard to build characters who are rounded and they actually give a damn about. And because we're introducing them in like brief, it's almost like you're picking your, you know, your characters at the beginning of a video game. We, we don't, mm. I don't even Scott, who's the main character, you know, Batista. I don't give a damn about any of them. I yeah. don't, I don't care who gets her bit, you know, separated. No, no, we, we don't care yeah. about them. That's a problem. And the thing is, it's, it's, it's not a difficult thing for a, for a filmmaker to achieve. Our last episode, Street Fighter, that had a lot of characters to uh, introduce, and it, it managed it. You know, they they they're, they're all kind of interesting enough and different enough, and just just very very kind of subtly, even though it's Street Fighter, they they managed it. Why can't why can't we care about? I can't remember what I was saying now, but you you get you get the idea. It's like Street Fighter can do it. With multiple characters, why why can't to this me, film? Sometimes I find it insulting. It's almost like, and I can imagine the meetings happening that people saying they don't get, they don't care about character, they don't care about, um, you know. No, this is it. You 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 watch a film and you you can you're watching a film and you're thinking of the studio meetings that have happened <laughs> to kind of facilitate the scene you're watching or the events that have happened. No, it shouldn't be how it should be. You're supposed to lose yourself in a film, aren't you? Recently, I watched Baptiste, which is a BBC detective thing, and I watched uh, White Lotus, and both of them enjoyed And I think part of the reason yeah. they enjoyed it was just full, rounded, flawed characters where pe- people actually yeah. bothered 
to develop them and introduce the reason why they are the way they are. Um, and hmm. and it was just a relief not to see anyone with any bloody superpowers or <laughs> just, just, you know, <laughs> the moment you introduce yeah. all that. And there's a little bit of that with this, isn't there? It's like um, implausible um, survival in some of this film, you know, like, you know, yeah. yeah, like it's kind of super, super zombie yeah, action later on, isn't numbers. there? I mean, they've shown this in war. I'm not, I'm no military technician, but sheer numbers do win the day. That's me, you know. So, so and it's like yeah. ants, ants swarming so, on a, you know, around a scorpion. You know, they'll no they'll win through eventually. Thousands of these things running it. Yeah, it's, you've had it. You've had it. But, um, yeah, there was. I mean, there was, there was a bit of that, but it's. Uh, um, yeah, it just left me a little bit cold. I mean, it's, uh, you, you mentioned Mark Kamel's review, and he, it's it's not bad, and it's not good. It's just it's just it's, it's no. Just, K- yeah. Kamel's exact words, if I remember correctly, well, let me have a look. I've written it down. He said, "There's a bunch of stuff <laughs> happening on the surface, and not much <clears throat> happening um, underneath." I'd certainly agree with that, and I, I think he was quite good to it. Actually, uh, I was. I think for me, this movie um, just disappointed on so many levels. Considering the amount of oh, money yeah. it had uh, uh, kind of thrown its, its way, the amount of time it's, uh... they'd spent on it, uh, yeah, and it's and it, you know, I was, I, I, I was really struggling because I watched this film about a month ago, and in preparation for our our recording tonight, I, I was thinking, what happened? You know, I, I really had, I really had to go back to it. Views over uh, the first four weeks, which means obviously all the streaming and all that business right. on Netflix. Would you watch it again? Would you watch it again? And I've had a few. Um, but if, if it was a choice <laughs> and it was this or there was um, Liam Neeson in Ice World Truckers 2, I'd probably go to Liam Neeson. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> At least with Liam Neeson, you <laughs> know what you're getting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he should he should totally do another Dark Man because he was only in the first one, wasn't he? Right, so Dark Man. We, um, we might as well get to this. Uh, yeah. we, we oh, well, I was going to say that um, there, there are. Oh, I, do. I don't yeah. know the budget for this. Do you know what it was? Seventy to ninety million. This is Wikipedia, and it made a box office. Obviously, because you know right. everything was closed down at the time. Box office. It did yeah. have it did have a limited from United States it's territories at the cinema. It's uh, otherwise announced, um, but I know that sounds, you know, chicken feed right. in this world, but you have to also then look at um, the 70 odd million people who watched it in the first four weeks. And I guarantee, yeah. It's Netflix. Netflix have kind of paid for this, for it to be content, to, for it to be viewed a lot. So, I mean, in, in that respect, I guess it's kind of paid for. And then whatever money it makes at the cinema on, or on Blu-ray when it's released, you know, people buying it, then it's just it's kind of a bit of extra. Of, I mean, it's obvious because it's him um, as well. He must have signed on and he must have said, I want the whole, I want, you know, I want it, this to be a franchise. I wonder. He, he wasn't signing on for one film, was he? It sounds like he's got a massive deal. No, no they've, yeah. he's got a contract. You can be sure of that. The the violence of the film, um, because there are so many zombies and, you know, because yeah. of the characters we just mentioned, and the kind of the CGI, the constant CGI, where it kind of your eye kind of becomes trained to it, and it doesn't it doesn't quite register correctly. But it, the it, the violence is so repetitious; 
and and unaffecting and lazy. And it's, you know, just comparing it to other horror films where things happen to characters that you care about. And it's, it can be really devastating, can't it? And I, I, just, I just, even even with certain major characters, I won't mention who, it just didn't affect you as a viewer, me as a viewer, no, in that I was, way. I was just, I was just um, a bit numb. I, was, I suppose once you've seen, it's a bit like when you play like one of these games, actually, you know, like a first-person shooting, you just like you've you've blasted away about yeah. four hundred people with the computer keys and generating. It did feel a bit like a, it did feel a bit like a yeah. um, computer it, game, didn't it? Um, I think, except you can't have no control over it, but Zack yeah. Snyder does. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> in, including Zach the Snyder's got the control and he's not letting you play. And, uh, <laughs> so um, we're, we're going to decide then, so we're going to go to... So what's it going to be, boys? Does this one rot in the morgue or make it on the helicopter to freedom? Uh, are we going to decide? Absolutely. If we're, if we're going to, I'll go first if we're going to put it in the morgue or save it. So... Um, uh, I've thought about this about me because obviously it's not terrible, but because it sets up so many much promise and it so poorly delivers for me, it's got to be the mark. It's it's I don't know where it's going to stand when you have the other eight films in the whole canon, and when you have the ten computer games and comics and uh, lunchbox. Yeah, but. I I was re- we, we, I watched this film when it first came out and um, it's been a while actually so like I was really racking my brain to remember it and then uh, I had to read the reviews and I started watching the trailers and it all clipped back in and uh, you know it was it was somewhere buried in my memory bank um, but for me yeah, it's 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 a mark it's Batista's in the mark and he's he's fighting all comers and it's yeah. uh, he's just he's been smacked down <laughs> and it. Although, you know, I quite like him, actually. I think, you know, I think you mentioned earlier that it's one of those leading men who's a bit 20 years too late. He's, yeah. He may be an Expendables 10 or something. Yeah. But, um, yeah, sorry for me. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's very deep. It's it's not the worst film we've got. I mean, you know, if people saw it, you're not going to be offended by it, but it's going to be empty. It will be just filling time because... I swear, come back in a week's time, you will remember very little. So that's why you have to watch, listen to this podcast. But <laughs> I mean, for me, the, the the biggest disappointment about this film is it's it's not even bad. It's just it's so ordinary all over the place, um, and badly thought out. And if you consider the money that's been thrown its way, and um, the the talent involved. And you know the promising opening that we talked about at the start of the film. You know, why is it two two hours twenty eight minutes long? It doesn't seem any reason for that. It sets up lots of good ideas, some good ideas, say lots of good, some good ideas. Goodness, well, goodness me, I, I hope there's not a, a director's cut of this on the way in a few years, which is like five hours long. I don't think I'll be rushing to see that one. Um, I think just all the wasted promise um, is is my biggest problem. Um, in regards to uh, Army of the Dead. And the, the other thing that bothered, uh, it didn't bother me particularly, but you know, we talked about the, uh, there's a story with, um, there's a zombie tiger in this film. Yeah, yeah. Zombie tiger, and uh, it's Siegfried and Roy's tiger, presumably. It is, it's good actually. And you know, you know, we talked about the company, spoiler alert again, you know, we talked about the company man. Yeah. Um, and he is, he is kind of mauled. Yes. 
to uh, to his doom pretty quickly after he's revealed his true intentions. But I wonder, you know, like in the past, there there've been fra- phrases like "jumping the shark," uh, you know, from uh, from Happy Days, and there's uh, I heard of one from oh, yeah. the last Indiana Jones film, which was "nuke in the fridge." You know, where like a film series or a film just kind of goes too far. I just wonder if uh, Zombie Tiger is going to kind of li- add, be added to that kind of list of. Uh, uh, kind of cinematic <laughs> faux pas, maybe. Um, it just seems it, it's an interesting idea, but again, it's just it something they don't really do anything with. Um, so you put it in the morgue. I'm I'm throwing this thing back in the in the vault with the two hundred million dollars and the swarming <laughs> zombies. It's it's getting it's getting stuck in walled Las Vegas and it's staying there. I, so I have no I have no desire. I re- and the, you know the thing is, Rob. I want it, I really wanted to like this film. So and it, I, it's, yeah, it's obviously yeah. not doing its job properly if people like you and me, um, who, who, who lap this kind of stuff up, are not enjoying it. You know, they're they're doing something wrong. If you compare it to the modern, the modern ones, which have been really good, like uh, Last Train to Busan and uh, and Peninsula, which is the follow-up sequel, and then if you also think about the other one, which is the guy stuck in the building, uh, what was that one called? That's another recent um, Korean. There have been some uh, good ones, haven't there? I think even Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger do one where his daughter was a was a zombie. Yeah. I can't remember the name. That's really that's really good. And again, that's the emotion. You know, it doesn't centre on loads of characters. It just builds on the emotional. Yeah, and just just a good idea that they they work through. You know, in a in a logical, entertaining way, which you know this film I don't think did. Um, so for me, no, absolutely not. It's got to stay. I don't think it can go in the morgue. It's, it's going in. It's going to Las Vegas in the in the vault with the unclaimed. I think we should stop. We should have stopped with Liberace and Big Tits at the beginning. You really can't. Yeah, there's only one place for them to go if it starts as strongly as that, isn't there? The the, the Big Tits zombies and Liberace. It's going nowhere apart from down after that. Sorry. Well, sadly, sorry, then, Zach. It's, sorry, sadly, uh, Zach and Army did it. He's staying dead. So, um, <laughs> next time, uh, have you got any ideas, Carl, for your next, uh, next one you want to do? Yes. Um, it's a film I saw years ago on VHS, and um, I noticed it had it's had a, a, a Blu-ray release in Europe. I think America's getting one as well. It's an Italian exploitation film, but it was one of the ones that came in the wake of Mad Max. So, um, you know, they had the spaghetti westerns and then they had the kind of the, the giallo slasher thrillers in the 70s and the, mm. the uh, cop films, uh, the Italian cop films. And then in the 80s, it kind of, it changed again into like kind of, um, kind of uh, post-apocalyptic um, but on a much lesser budget. So uh, I've chosen one called Raiders of Atlantis uh, from 1983. Yeah, totally. I mean, they've they've, they've used that name very deliberately. Um, yeah. And I'd, I'd be really interested to see what you think about it. Uh, it's, I remember it being hokey. Fun, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, looking we'll, at the cast, the cast looks amazing. Tony King as Mohammed. Uh, yeah, so. yeah, you can't go wrong. Um, and it's got a really good soundtrack by um, the De Angelis brothers, yeah. who who um, also sometimes credited themselves as a band called Oliver Onions. So um, yeah, I've been the front, cover, the front cover is amazing. If you, <laughs> you interested, really, to the land. What a piece uh, of artwork that is! It's got a man holding the world's biggest gun. Uh, <laughs> You can't go wrong. Raids of Atlantis. 
They also call it Atlantis Interceptors, don't they? I think that was that was like the UK VHS title, if I remember. Um, And then I think the Italian title is uh, Predatory the Atlantis Day, which is literally Predators of Atlantis. But you you get the idea anyway. Um, That's our film for episode 18. And hopefully we'll get that out. uh, We'll record that fairly soon. So quick turnaround there, hopefully. Well, thanks for listening anyway. Okay. And uh, we'll enjoy enjoy Army of the Dead if you can. Maybe, maybe it might be to your taste, but yeah, sorry. Okay. Sorry, Rob. Sorry, Zach. <laughs> Bye-bye. If he hits him, he goes! Batista going for the Batista ball! And he got him! Batista ball! Here comes the champion. Batista kick to the midsection! The kid's in trouble! He hits it, ball game! King Booker up high!